Yes, sir. And welcome to the road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Road to Damascus. I'm your host, Brock Hendricks. And before we get started with the show, I just want to tell you how you could participate. You could participate by reaching us via email. That's Road to Damascus, road the number two, Damascus at iCloud.com. As well as on the socials, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. That's Road to Damascus, road the number two, Damascus. Reach out to us. Tell us how much you love the show, how much you don't love the show, topics you would like for us to discuss, topics, any information that we've given that you think is good, bad, or indifferent. But as always, we love for you to participate. So give us a shout out. And now to the show. Rabbi, 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 the sage one, the great and powerful. Now, I can give you all these introductions, but you went to a conference this week. And all the things that I call you, the sage, the oracle, the great and powerful, all these people got to see it for themselves. Say what's up to Rabbi Shonda, everybody. Say what's up. What's up, everybody? It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Missed you last week. Yeah, we missed. We didn't uh, do a show, but uh, Rabbi had to prepare to speak to the masses. (laughs) You know, so eventually when we're recording this podcast live from Fox, you'll understand. Hey. Let's do it. Let's speak it into existence. Let's put it out there. It's it's gonna it's gonna happen. It's happening. It's already done. We on the road. We on the road to Damascus via the Fox. Absolutely. Um so last time uh show we had said we would do a God is Godding segment. Um Stefan isn't here. He was the one who I think had the idea. Or was it you or Stefan? I had the idea. Okay. He loved it and he loved it. Yeah, right so um, I don't have music yet, so I'll take the blame for that. But um, before we start the show, do you have any uh, praise report? God is God now here, Shonda? Well, you know, I would I would have to use my own life. Excuse me, I can't. <laughs> I cannot clear my, my throat. Go ahead. I would have to use my own life. You know, I've said on the show before that I'm act- actually living the dream. Um, I remember you know, God telling me that you're going to be speaking before, before people. And then I've had recently had people tell me that you're going to be speaking to crowds, you know, hundreds and and thousands. And man, it's, it's humbling to hear and um, to get there. And, and, and the room was, was full and the people just waiting to hear what, what you're going to say. And it was just a blessing to be chosen to kick off, um, a conference, you know, and it, the people just want you, can you just, can you just sign my program? Like I saw your face and I was like, man, she's going to be there again this year. All those things are so humbling because I realize it's not me. You know, it's not me. I never want to give the people me. I always want to stand in the presence and in the spirit of God and in his light you know, that I may somehow introduce those who don't know him to him or, you know, and, and those who do know him, let's have a conversation about him. And to know that it is attracting people, that people are attracted to the light. Man, God, God out here, God, and he can use anybody. You know, if you are willing, he, he'll do it. You know, if he said it, won't he do it? If he spoke it, 
he'll bring it to pass. You know, all we have to do is believe him and, and wait on him, serve him in the meantime. Like, he'll do it. And it just, it just tickles me to be in this moment right here, just living it. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So real quick, um, so I had found out um, some tragic news Monday night going into Tuesday and couldn't sleep that great Tuesday when I found out of someone that was close to my friend, uh, excuse me, a friend that was close to my son at high school had passed away, same age. Um, and it was devastating news. And I didn't sleep well that night and things like that. But the next day, um, me and Stefan, we do prayer every day on the phone together, scripture and prayer. But <clears throat> um, it was my turn to pray the day we did that. So I prayed that morning and then I, I did another prayer call later. Then a friend of mine reached out to me and needed me to pray for them. So I felt like in that moment when I was in stress, God was using me as a vessel absolutely, to pray for other people. But in the midst of me praying for them, it was giving me strength. So that's how I know God has gotten in my life. Because even in my moments of stress and in my moments of fear and in my moments of uncertainty, God is still using me and showing me that though you may feel lowly, there are still other people who have needs and helps. And I need you to make sure that their needs and helps are coming and that you're helping fill up their cups. And like I just read uh, the scripture beforehand, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Romans 15 and one. So that is my God is God report for this week. And Shonda doing a little Christian shuffle right now. <laughs> Can't hear that and not do a shuffle. So um, <clears throat> on to the show. Rabbi, this week, um, I believe this was Wednesday, um, founder of the 700 Club, Pat Robertson, passed away. Um, he was the founder of the Christian Broadcasting Network. He was 93 years old, um, was a controversial figure at times, um, well-known, well-respected in some circles, vilified in others, depending on what side of the aisle you were on. Um, even within Christian circles was seen as a controversial, controversial figure, um, and I would almost say he would probably be the father of the modern evangelical movement. Would you say that, Rabbi? I, I would. Yeah. I would agree. Um, of the modern-day evangelical movement. So in this podcast, is not going to be about Pat Robertson specifically, but just evangelical, um, the evangelical movement within the church that's happened um, the last 50-plus years. And let's just call the spade a spade, Rabbi. Let's. Evangelicals and that movement has become a bad word. It has um, polarized both the world and the church. Um, It is a movement that has been more about um, nationalism, Christian nationalism, than um, 
Christianity per se is um, more about infiltrating through top down beliefs is more than bottom up beliefs. And Pat Robertson, again, being the father of this is the reason that um, when you hear some of his views and stands, which I'll bring some of those up as we press through the podcast, but um, just hearing that what, when you think about evangel, evangelic, evangelicalism, I can't say it fast. So bear with me. What do you think, Rabbi? Um, I think that what I think of when I think of evangelicals is a group of people who have married Christianity to the Republican party and have, um, turned Christianity into politics. That that's what I think. Okay. At a level that is unimaginable. And I think that a lot of the culture wars we see happening today are a result of that. Okay. So um, some of the most controversial things, and, and the reason I'm going to bring it back to Pat Robertson is just because a lot of the tenets that we see that are heavily argued nowadays were things that he was been spewing for the last 30, 40 plus years. I remember... I'm just going to share a personal story real quick, Rabbi. Uh, my grandmother, um, who is still with us, Charlotte, I love you. Um, this was, I want to say she either said it was the mid to late 80s or early 90s. Pat Robertson decided he was going to try to run for president. Mm-hmm. And he had made a stop here in Michigan, and he was going to churches, black churches. Of course. <laughs> That's what they do. And he had oh, went to this uh, particular. <laughs> they they want our um, they want our rhythm and none of our blues. Mm-hmm. Um, so he went to this Kojic church to speak, and my grandmother was invited by a friend, so she went with the friend. They went to the church to hear Pat Robertson speak, and she said he really didn't say much about anything, but she said as soon as he left. Out, this woman just jumped to the front by the pulpit and said, death is in the house. Death is in the house. Clear it out. Death isn't like basically saying like this man that just brought a spirit in here with him. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother tells that story like she can't tell it now. But I remember hearing that story so vividly growing up and her telling me about it. And so that is what I thought of when I thought of Pat Robertson. Then I and I, I was young at the time, but then you get older and you see the 700 Club and some of the things that they talked about. But some of the more controversial um, things that um, uh, Pat Robertson um, spoke to, Sean, in 2001, he agreed with a fellow evangelist, uh, Jerry Falwell, that gay people and those who have abortions and others with alternative lifestyles was the reason for the 9-11 attacks. He also believed that that was the reason that we had COVID as well. Um, he said that the Haitians who were under the rule of Napoleon Bonaparte, um, 1806, I believe, is when they gained their freedom, the first uh, black country to um, emancipate and get their own freedom. He said the reason that they were able to get their freedom and deal with the stuff that they were dealing with is because they sold their souls to the devil. 
he said that um, he once said that the reason that tornadoes were hitting the Midwest is because the people in those areas didn't pray enough. And if they pray, they can stop these storms by telling the storms to be still. Um, he claimed that God would destroy America after New York passed this marriage equality act in 2011 and in 2019 that the land will vomit you out talking about uh, New York. Um, um, in 2013, he made a claim that um, gay people were in San Francisco were using rings to give people AIDS when they shake hands. Um, yeah, so the, the I, I found the exact quote about in 2010, he claimed the devastating earthquake in Haiti was due to a pact that they had with the devil that helped them win the Haitian revolution during the slave rebellion. Um, in 1992 is a part of a push to stop the passage of the equal rights amendment in Iowa. Roberson wrote that feminism is a socialist anti-family political movement that encourages women to leave their husbands, kill their children, practice witchcraft, destroy capitalism and become lesbians. Um, so these are some of the best hits, Shonda. I'm just reading through, but um, these are some of the um, best hits that we hear now. And, and when you talked about the culture wars. Mm -hmm. So just some of the stuff that I just ran through. We hear evangelicals talk about this all day. This is like their, their bread and butter. So what do you think, Rabbi? I think that he understood the power of the media. You know, when he... Um, launched his cable television station. He, it was the way he, um, it was purposeful, like the way he talked and would look into the camera as if he was talking to the audience. You know, he was um, a smooth talking, charismatic Very, man. very soft. Yeah, he was very well educated. He was, you know, very soft spoken. He appealed to a certain group of people. You know, he made them feel like they were a, a part of him being how he was, even um, down to um, saying that he needed, um, I think it was 3 million people, you know, to sign uh, the petitions so that before he would run for presidency, you know, he wanted them to feel like they were a part of his campaign that built him an army of people who thought like he did. You know, you, you start off running. You know, I want you all to pledge that you're going to pray for me, you know, and, and you'll be um, like a, a part of my army. He understood the power of, of media before a lot of other people did, and he used it to his advantage. And it became um, kind of like a good old boy social club um, that, um, with a lot of racist undertones. Not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not a undertones. It was overtones. Yeah. He, he felt like a kingmaker. You know, when he didn't win the presidential election, he threw himself behind those who he believed that he, you know, he could influence. And he had a great amount of influence all the way up until uh, George Bush. Um, who yeah. <laughs> Kanye said didn't like black people. But we, we remember that. Yeah. It, is, it has become... The white evangelical movement became like a good old boys club, um, full of privilege. Um, and it, it wasn't really, it was overt racism if you're paying attention. Right. But if you weren't paying attention, it looked like a, a loving social club 
Um, but it was a loving, like a country club for whites only. You just didn't know you couldn't get in. And he would never say it was just for whites. No, no. It, but when it you tried to get in. Yeah, you, you just couldn't get in for right. one reason or another. Right. You never really get a, uh, a definitive reason why you can't get in. You just can't get in. Like Al Bundy's, the No Ma'am Club. Right. No Ma'am. You just can't get in. So let me ask you overall about evangelicals and the evangelical movement. And the the Bible says a good name is to be chosen above great riches. And you and I can sit here and say that the evangelicals don't have a good name right now. Mm -hmm. Even within church circles or believers circles or whatever. Um, how can we as believers differentiate ourselves? Because most, because most of the people with the biggest microphones are evangelicals. So when you hear them talk, they lump us all together. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you talk to a person about Muslim. They don't know that it's a Sunni and a Shiite Muslim. They just think a Muslim is a Muslim. Mm -hmm. Just like we did a show before about all the different denominations within the body of Christ. So how do we di differentiate, differentiate ourselves? Oh, man, I'm just tongue tied this morning. How do we differentiate ourselves from this movement that has really negatively impacted people's everyday lives? We have to stop looking for the millions of, of people and millions of dollars and start looking for truth. You know, people, people who don't have or people who've never had a lot of money are intrigued when they see a lot of money. You know, they are intrigued when they see all these people because for them, all these people translates to money. And so they are prone to believe them because of the masses. But just because a bunch of people say it doesn't make it right. You know, and just because a bunch of people say it wrong wouldn't make it so. We have to stop looking for crowds because great, you know, is, is uh, wide is the road, you know, that, that leads to destruction. And many there be that find it. But narrow is the road that needs to eternal life and few there be um, that are on it. We got to stop looking for crowds it's, and for places to hide. You have to look for the truth. And the issue is most people don't know the truth, so they don't recognize it when they hear it because they've attached it to things that don't represent it, like love. People have attached love to things that don't represent love. And when they are encountered with real love, they don't believe it. They think that, oh, there's something wrong with it or that there's an ulterior motive. It is the same way when you are not looking for truth and truth finally encounters you, you feel like you're being attacked. You feel like, oh, they just want to infringe on my freedoms. We're not trying to infringe on your freedoms. We are trying to keep you off the road to destruction. This, just because this, this way looks good, it's full of people, it's very charismatic, and it's very attractive if you aren't careful. But it is not open and accepting to everybody. It is exclusive. You are not invited to this cookout. There are raisins in the potato salad. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so this this movement has um negatively 
impacted a lot of lives of people and it's caused a lot of damage. And we see it, especially within um, the biggest, uh, would you, let me ask you this, Rabbi, would you say the biggest fight right now for believers who are trying to really minister to people and really help bring people into fullness and understanding of Christ. The biggest group that we're having the toughest time getting through is the LGBT community, in your opinion. Um, I think it's one of, one of them. What would you say is the yeah. other one? Um, the people who look like me. Okay. Um, well, we'll come back to that. Okay. So when you have... Evan- evangelicals are ready, willing, guns loaded, <laughs> shooting to tell gay people that they're going to hell. Even though they don't have a heaven or hell to put anybody in, they're ready to put them there. And he and um, being Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell and others like them that were part of this movement have no qualms about telling you what your lifestyle is or isn't. And they'll just tell you about what your lifestyle is or isn't, but they don't give you what God is. And my thing would be at what point, and and I know this is just opinion, but at what point did it stop being about God and just start being about dog whistles for their, their exclusive club? Because when I'm sitting here bashing a group, Shonda, I'm not bashing that group because I care about that group. I'm bashing that group because the people in my group want to hear me bashing that. So it no longer becomes about trying to save souls and bring people to Christ. It just comes about bashing this group because that's what we want to do. I'm I'm not even sure that that should be a question. I think <laughs> was it a, was a statement, statement within the question? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, but um, like. It ain't no God in that. No. Everybody. everybody go where you want. Listen, angry. listen, listen. Go where you want to go, Shonda. Because I, I take the gloves off and go where you want to go. Everybody's angry with the, the LGBTQIA plus community because of the way they've organized themselves. When the fact is they've been kicked out of so many places, especially churches, and told that God doesn't love them, that there's no place for them there. And so now they've organized themselves. And now you're angry that they have decided to unify, to demand that they be treated fairly. You can't have it both ways. None of these churches belong to you. They are all houses of God, and you don't have the right to make them exclusive in any kind of way. You can't exclude the LGBT community. You can't exclude African Americans. You can't exclude Native Americans. You can't exclude the trans people who are part of the LGBT. You can't exclude anybody because all souls belong to God. And the fact that you have done it proves that it was never about love for you in the first place. You have made the church part of your privilege and shame on you. The church belongs to God. The people belong to God. And if you're going to be a Christian, the commodity is souls. So at the point where you're no longer concerned about the soul, when you're more concerned about what the person is wearing 
or what they're doing or, or what, what their lifestyle doing. is. Right. Then they're so you're never ever going to reach them. If God drew you out of the filth you were in with love and kindness, why do you now all of a sudden believe he can't do it for someone else? That's the issue for me. It was the same thing with with black people. You know, we 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 weren't welcome in in churches. There are still churches that are segregated. They don't want you in there. They don't want to worship with you. Oh no, they want you in there, but just in the music section. Oh well, yeah. The, the, the rhythm, the rhythm section. Yeah. You know, come on. At what point, God's not coming back for a segregated building. He's coming back for a bride without spot or blemish. And you got so many spots and wrinkled and blemishes, I don't know how at this point you can think that you're going to be a part of the bride. Took a little bit longer than normal for me to hit that button for you, but we got there. <laughs> we got there. She's awake now, people. <laughs> It's been a long week for her, but she's awake now. Yeah, so, um, because when you get amped up, then I get amped up. And then we amp each other up. But no, but um, all jokes aside, because even like the claim about Haiti, for you to say that this earthquake hit this island because they made a pact with the devil to get their freedom. And I don't know if people know the history of Haiti, but they fought and gain their own independence. Um, I believe it's 1806. And when they gained it, they had sanctions put on this country that still crippled them to this day by the U.S., by France, by all of these countries who basically wanted to make this country an example of what happens when black people do get their freedom. Mm -hmm. And you want to say that they sold their souls to the devil because they wanted to be free? Who? no. They didn't want to make a deal with the devil. <laughs> the, I thought this. <laughs> I was about to say. You know what I, know I was about exactly to, what you were about to say. I'm not gonna say it, Lord. <laughs> just, just hold my tongue. <laughs> Go continue, Rabbi. You know, I don't think people understand that sometimes you are the devil that people don't want to make a deal with, and it may anger you and it may frustrate you because you think of yourself to be more powerful than what you actually are. And when any and when there's a time when someone stands up to you or when they don't want to do what you want to do, then you feel like they're attacking you and that's the time when you need to go on the defense. No, maybe you need to just stop, take a moment, and recognize that maybe they just deserve to be free instead of always having to fight for what should be given to them just like it is to the next person. Why are we fighting to be free? Absolutely. Why is there any group of people fighting to be free? I understand that there that there's right and wrong, there's good and bad. Nothing exists without its polar opposite. Nothing. If there's good in the world, then by by default there's bad. You know, so they exist together. You won't have one without the other. So why is it that you think it's okay for you to have total control? over any group of people for any reason, especially under the umbrella of Christ, who is the God of liberty, who is the God of choice. But you want to take away the freedoms. You want to take away um, all the liberty. You don't want anybody to have any choices. If they choose anything other than what you think should be chosen, then they're not worthy to be a part of the organization. Away with your organization. You was about to go there? 
listen, it's time, it's time out for the foolishness. We, you have mocked God. You, you have brought reproach upon the kingdom with the way that you handle God's people. Well, l- let me ask you this. Cause it, it, this is something that's always confounded me, especially with, with people like Falwell and, and um, Pat Robertson. Why do they feel so comfortable equating natural disasters to God's wrath or fury and anger um, for one particular group, but it's never the group that they're in. Like, it's like, oh, you see it's raining over there. You know why it's raining over there? Because they don't believe. Like, You know, maybe it's not even the matter that it's raining over there. Why aren't you thinking, well, it's not raining over here. Maybe God's angry with us. I'm just asking. I'm just. I'm asking. You know, I'm just asking. What? Why is it always what's happening over there? Because if there, if it's raining over there, then hey, you know, you know what the result of that rain is? Harvest. There's no rain over here where you are. You know what that is? That's a drought. And and right now, in Michigan. Ask me how my grass look, and it's the beginning of June. My grass look like late July. Yeah. Burnt out. No rain. This rain is supposed to come tomorrow. Can't come quick enough. Right. It's easy to point the finger. You know, everything looks bad until you look back. You get down the road and look back at it and you realize, oh, okay. Ooh, that wasn't everything y'all make look bad ain't ain't bad. But what you are actually making look bad is being in in the in the family of God. Right. But I, I but the reason cause it's like he made a comment about nine eleven, which wasn't a natural disaster. It was some terrorists who hijacked the airplane. Right. Um, he made a comment after Hurricane Katrina. I just read you the one about the um, 2011 earthquake. Excuse me. I uh, Sorry about that. He talked about um, the tornadoes in the Midwest. Like anything that happened as a natural disaster or something is just it's, it's God's wrath because of lifestyles. It's never because black people were hung from trees or. Um, Native Americans were uh, repressed from their land and murdered and killed, and that the blood and cries out with the blood of innocent Black people that got killed during reconstruct during post Reconstruction in this country. Because they think they were right. They think they were right. They were doing it in the name of God. They think they were okay. You think it's okay to come to a land where the Native Americans show you what to do with the land and then you push them off of their land. You think it's okay to go over to Africa and see kings and queens and see them ruling well and to snatch them from their people and change their culture and change their language and how they worship and drag them over here and make them serve you for free and build your entire country. Cause you don't think anything wrong with it because you see them as less than you. You'll never get an apology from someone who sees nothing wrong with their actions. And one of the best ways to never see anything wrong with your actions is to do it in the name of the She's on fire now, nah, folks. She's on fire. So can 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 we differentiate differentiate ourselves? Can we push back on them? Can we start because we and nobody at the top gonna say anything because they friends with a lot of them. Can we get the grassroots movement within the body of Christ to say that y'all don't speak for us? 
there's already a grassroots movement in, in the body of Christ. We just don't have big names. You know, we, we're just not famous. We're not well known. But there's a movement. There's a remnant of people. There's a remnant. There's always a remnant. What? There's a remnant of prophets who can see, who actually hear from God. There's a remnant of teachers who aren't afraid to tell you uh, the real the real word of God. There, there's a remnant of pastors, you know, who who shepherd the people of God. You know, there's a, a remnant of people who understand you only have dominion over things and stuff and not people who preach the freedom and the liberty of God. There's, there's, there's a remnant of people at, at the grassroots level who are telling the truth, who are not afraid to do so. And they're speaking truth to power to all groups. Absolutely. God loves everyone. everyone. And there's freedom in him. But you have to learn your identity through Christ. Absolutely. I can't teach you your identity. But you have to learn it through Christ Jesus. If you don't know who you are, somebody will tell and you'll be more prone to believe it if you don't know. But there are some of us who are making some noise. It's, it's a rumble. It's a rumble in the undertone. Pretty soon it'll be strong enough to drop a mountain. Oh, is it you talking about when you at the Fox? Hey, I ain't leaving that out. <laughs> when you at the Fox turning the crowd out. Um, the evangelical movement, um, has now um i think i last saw i'm just pulling up to make sure um that hold on i'm just pulling this up just to make sure um at one point it says that the evangelical movement was considered the fastest growing movement within the church um but that isn't really not even considered a denomination it was just a derivative of the word evangelist and it was people just going out spreading the gospel and the good news. So how did that even become a movement? Was it just a way for people to dif dif differentiate themselves? It I became mean, a movement because of the media. Because the Bible presence. talks about like the evangelist. And it's a derivative of the word evangelist. So it just means to go out and evangelize. When he created that the, the broadcasting network, he was able to, to get into millions of homes. That he wouldn't have been able to get into before. Right. That's one of the quickest ways to evangelize. You're in everybody's house. Everybody's getting the message. You know, that was back in the day where when you, you didn't have a remote control. You had to turn the knob one at a time. And if you passed your channel, you had to go all the way back around till you came back around to it. So if he was on the TV, he was on the TV. People tuned in to hear this man who was staring at them in the TV screen and talking to, talking to them so sweetly. And it felt well, hey, like love. And I just want to talk to like you all love. about what God's trying to do. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. With his yeah. soft southern draw. Right. And it sounded so sweet. And it sounded so full of love. And it turned us against each other and created division within the body at a pace that was so slow, you didn't recognize it until it was almost too late. It was too light to notice until it was too heavy to carry. Absolutely. So you had brought up at the beginning about it being just now an arm of the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. And it's been a while since we talked politics on the pod. I think there was a stretch where every other <laughs> show was about politics, um, yeah. which the block is hot might have something to say about some politics i'm just gonna 
kind of do a preview right then and there since we sticking with this theme. But um, why is it that we think that, and I might have asked this before, but I'm going to ask it again in the wake of this conversation. Why do we think that Jesus would be a part of any political party when he is an entity in and of himself? He he would have made every, both sides would have been upset. Everybody would have been like, he would have been, he would have been too liberal for conservatives. And he would have been too conservative for liberals. Mm-hmm. He was an entity in and of himself. He only had, 12 regular dudes that ran with him and a couple of the women mm-hmm. that was in his, his circle. So it was like, he would like, and he found a way to get a movement started without taking over the government mm-hmm. grassroots movement that, that begot apostle Peter that begot Saul who later became Paul who gave us Timothy mm-hmm. who gave us, Barnabas, Titus, who gave us Titus. Who, like, what, what? Jesus was so amazing. Like, he came on the scene so low-key. And his message was so just low-key, but powerful enough to be transformative. That by his conversation alone, he was just turning lives upside down. And he was changing the lives of people so calmly and so sweetly. And then these people became radicals and they became loud and boisterous about what this man had done. And his reputation just grew. They were walking it from city to city. Because when no cars back then, it was word of mouth. And the word of what he was doing and the amazing things he was doing was so attractive. They were taking it from city to city and people were flocking to the region where he was to just hear the words that were coming from his mouth because it was changing lives. And they thought from those thousands of years ago up until now, this has been one of the most powerful men ever spoken about. So if we can take that and somehow attach it to us, we can use his name as our platform. But as I said a little while back on the podcast, you can't pray against Jezebel, marry politicians, or you become hoes to the system. If I wouldn't have heard that before, it would have took me out again. But I, but I heard it before. But I just, I, I guess the thing that that blows my mind, Shonda, is. He's the example, period. And he talks about loving your neighbor. He talks about loving kindness. Really, he just talks about love, mm-hmm. covering a multitude of sins. Where do we get the, I, 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 help me, Shonda, where do we get this whole, like, other than church leaders, church leaders, he, he, he ripped the Sadducees and Pharisees all day long, told them they were hypocrites, told them how they did things and the way they tried to make it about them and not about the people. And that's what these people have done. These people have gained wealth, notoriety based on the pain and and um, the destruction of these other groups and have shown no love in the midst. 
where that is not Christ. That is antichrist. Didn't Paul say there are even antichrists among you now? And we have to use the word for what it means. It doesn't mean the one antichrist. It means that anything that is against Christ. And if you're preaching a message of hate, a message of division, a message of hate your neighbor, that's antichrist. Am I right? Or am I just? No, you're right. So where does this model come from? Do you have a playbook? No. And they don't either. Or they just making it up as they go. This this model, it's, it's not even a model. People aren't using Jesus as an example. They're using him as a platform of control. They're not using him. They're not following him as an example to love people, you know, to love them into freedom, to love them out of darkness into light. They are just using him as a platform to gain more money, to gain control of people, to, to steal your freedoms. You know, they're, they're using people as a money grab. You know, the more money you have, the more control you have. The more money you have, the louder uh, political voice you have. So, yeah, it's, they're not using Jesus as an example. It, it ain't enough love coming out of you for you to be an example. In order for you to be an example, everything you do has to come. Love, love is the source of it. We're not seeing that because if it was love, it wouldn't be so exclusive. Who is it? Who is it that you that you can't love that you shouldn't love? Which group of people is left out of that? Out of love, your neighbor, who's left out? Nobody. Nobody. So the moment you exclude somebody, it's not love, and it's not Christ. It's not. So I just want you to hear this, Shonda. These are quotes. Males have a tendency to wander a little bit. And I want you and what I want you to do is make your home so wonderful that he doesn't want to wander. I know it sounds cruel, but if but if he's going to do something, he should divorce her and start all over again. But to make sure she had a custodial care and somebody is looking after her, asked about what the death till death do was part of the marriage vow, he said Alzheimer's is a kind of death. Shonda, males have a tendency to wander a little bit, but if you make your home wonderful, he won't wander. I didn't know that till death do us part meant that it is Alzheimer's death. It is not. Like, I don't know. Was this hot when they was hearing it? Was this like him dropping bars? Was he getting Jamaican horns when he was saying this stuff? I'm sure he was. From from somebody. Now, all listen, all marriages don't work. If you are linked to somebody who tends to wander a little bit, um, I don't. I'm not sure there's anything you can do at home. How? Would he, did he say wonderful or wonderful? I'm not exactly <laughs> sure which version of the word he used. Um, no, go ahead, go ahead, go with it. I, people, listen. We need to be smart. You know, we, we need to we need to have relationships with God for ourselves. Because when you don't, people will tell you anything. And you will eat it up. And you will eat it up and be clapping and applauding and yaying. And you have no idea what's just been said. Because all you're seeing just is a bunch of people and hearing a bunch of noise. It is sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. That's not music playing in the background for you to be clapping to. 
Signifying nothing. Signifying nothing. Empty platitude. Listen to what you hear. Don't just have these two little things sitting on the side of your of your head for nothing. Listen to the things that people are saying. You can't hear Jimmy. No. <laughs> oh, I can listen to Jimmy. Yeah, you can you can't hear him though. Right. Like y'all not listening. Not listening. Or seeing. You have eyes, but you can't see. Ears that don't hear and wrapped up in the foolishness. And wondering why is your life not working like like you want it to? What have you bought into? Because this was a bunch of foolishness. I just, um, we about to close this out, but I just find it amazing that the one thing that, so somebody asked me this week, Shonda, um, what is what is my calling? Do I know what my calling is? I said, yeah, I know what my calling is. Absolutely. I said, my calling is to show people that are believers to get them from religion to relationship. Okay. And people that are new to the faith to get them to understand that it's about relationship and not religion. Because at the end of the day, if you are in relationship, religion can't take you over. But a lot of these people are in religion and not in relationship. They're in the wrong REL. (laughs) (laughs) And, and what we have to get people to understand when, when you, when you don't stand for anything, when you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And a lot of these people, their foundation is shaky mm-hmm. because they're not. When religion can get you to to hear that kind of stuff and think it's okay to believe that, but relationship doesn't because you because when you know your father and you know his heart. See, David was a man after God's own heart. David wasn't perfect by no means, right? But he knew what God wanted, and that's how he operated accordingly. That's what being a man after God's heart means. So when you hear foolishness, you got to call out foolishness. You ha- Do you love people enough to call out this type of foolishness? See, I noticed, Shonda, that we've gotten, and I wanted us to do a pod about this eventually, um, we've gotten to a point where people become, uh, I said, um, sermon police, and they'll pull up clips and try to make people look bad. And it's just a particular clip. And it, then when you're watching in full context of the message, it means something different, just like they tried to do the Reverend Wright years ago. You know, you play a clip and then it's, oh, this is heresy and all this other stuff. But not fully understanding what's going on. But then you have somebody who has 50 years, 60 years, 70 years of flat-out foolishness, and you don't call these people out. And again, this wasn't particularly a podcast just about Pat Robertson, or Jerry Falwell, or Paul Wayrick, and all these other evangelicals that have gotten these culture wars started that takes our mind away from fully embracing Christ and makes us more of a world system and things like that. But this is about people understanding that you have to know this thing for yourself. Study to show thyself approved a good worksman who need not be ashamed, but rightly devise the word of truth. But instead what these people do is they want the favor and the privilege and they don't want to give up either one, not understanding that neither one is earned. So that's what I got to say about that. Anything you want to ask Shonda before we get the block is hot. 
Um, mm-hmm. Just that when when he didn't win, when Pat Robinson didn't win the Robertson didn't win the presidential election, he still found a way to be just as deeply involved, if not even more so. Um, a kingmaker per se, absolutely from the Jerry Falwell school. He got deeply embedded in in the political fray when he didn't win the election. He found a way to do it, and uh, listen. All those concepts that they created, um, it just threatens American society, creates division amongst people, and tears down the very fiber of Christianity. And we have to be smart enough and wise enough and close to God enough that we can see this coming afar off. We can't buy into this kind of stuff. We'll never, ever come together buying into this kind of food. The block is hot. The block is hot. The block is hot. Rabbi, do you have something? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I am waiting in it. The floor is yours. The floor is yours. Um, I, I don't have a, I don't really have a block is hot. But I'm going to say this and, and heat the block up. Um, I did see on the news while I was gone that um, the former president was indicted. It, it flashed across the screen and uh, I tell you federal indictment espionage, some, some stuff so sensitive that they couldn't put it in the documents for the grand jury to see, but continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, No, no, it's okay. Cause I'm gonna pass it. I'm gonna pass it to you because what I did not see, after I saw that he had been federally was anything from the Christian evangelicals who had promoted him as God's man, crickets, I still haven't heard anything. So what do you think about that? I was, it's like simpatico. We on the same (laughs) wavelength because this was going to be my block is hot too. I need the, I need the enthusiasm about, the downfall to be just as loud as the th- enthusiasm was when y'all was lifting this man up because Shonda, how often were we looked at as pariahs people who don't understand people who were trying to um, thwart God's plan, people who were being irrational um, things like that. When we were just calling a spade a spade, we never, my thing was always this. If you want to vote for the former president because you want these tax cuts, you want certain um, things that come with him being president, that's fine. He, he can be your garden variety Republican president. We've had garden variety Republican presidents. Am I right? But y'all didn't present him as a garden variety president. Y'all told me that this was Isaiah and that God had came and burned his lips with coal and made his, him, his unclean lips clean. Isn't that where we were so Shonda? That sounds about right. <laughs> I mean, the way he was talked about the, the prophetic words that were said, and some of it was said before he became president. I'm not disputing any of that stuff, but it still didn't change who he was, the character of this person. And y'all ran with this. 
and the silence has been deafening. I mean, Shonda, I can't even hear it's so silent. I, I mean, it's like, it's so silent that I can't even hear it. And I know y'all think it, that doesn't make sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. Oh, the silence was deafening. Dennis Green, God rest his soul, former coach of the Arizona Cardinals and the Minnesota Vikings, once famously said in a press conference, they are who we thought they were. And you let them off the hook. Well, he was who we thought he was. And me and Shonda are not letting y'all off the hook. Period. Shonda, they was tripping on that man. So hard. Tripping on him. So would this be a trial or a tribulation that he going through right now? Because he about to be on trial. It's going to feel like a tribulation. <laughs> I'm just saying because there's a difference, but I just want, you know, because trials are something Jesus put us through, but tribulation is something the enemy put us through. So I just want to know which one it was for him, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. So we're going to close this out. Great discussion today. Um, no, I didn't have our normal enthusiastic tone to it, but we'll come back with some some regular fire. But I thought this was important because he was a larger than life person within the the church movement and i just thought it was important to talk about him and his role within the evangelical church the evangelical or the evangelical movement i meant to say and how it affects us each and every day because whether we like it or not us as christians we're being affected by the evangelical movement mm -hmm. when it's when me and shonda try to go out and and talk to people of alternative lifestyle groups and try to minister to these people most of their objections and pushback come from people that come from these groups. Would you agree with that, Rabbi? Absolutely. So what they what they do and don't realize it is that they make our jobs a lot harder. Because at the end of the day, this this is a, a, a mission of love. This is a mission of um, bringing souls to crisis. It's a thankless job. But, oh, the rewards. And guess what? You might not get the rewards on this side, but the reward that you get with job well done, my good and faithful servant, none of us would turn down. So, Rabbi, you ready to close? Absolutely. The floor is yours. All right. Um, I'll close with this. Um, we, we were all charged in, in Matthew 28, 19, to go into all the world and tell everybody about the good news of Jesus, to tell everybody about his love, about this amazing love that, that can change and transform your life, about this love that can snatch you out of darkness and bring you into the marvelous light, a love that transcends anything you have ever known and can cause you to experience things that you have only imagined in your mind. But sometimes how we represent God is the deciding factor of whether they choose God or not. We don't get to exclude anyone from the presence or the kingdom of God just because we don't like what they do. It is not left with us. The souls of the mother, the souls of the father, all souls are his, and the soul that sins is the one that shall die. But he is the only judge of that. We don't have heaven or hell to put anyone in. 
And I said before, contrary to what you believe, God's not putting anyone in heaven or hell either. That choice is solely up to us. And if someone chooses to go a different way because of your representation of Christ, that is extra blood on your hands. And there's a special place in hell for you. I normally don't hit the horn for closing statements, but that was some uh, that was some gas fire right there. That was a, that was a gas fire, and you know you can't put a gas fire out. So we're gonna go ahead and let that burn. Um, I'm gonna close with this. Um, what we have to learn and what we have to understand is that we can't do this alone. I had a conversation with Stephan, and I wish he was here, but we talked about um. In nature, we see animals. In in if you go in the water, they call them a school of fish. If you see wolves together, we call that a um a pack. When you see lions together, we call that a den. And all of these animals have different names for their group. And we see that in nature because they work so well together. And then I turn and I look to us as humans. And we find it so hard to replicate what we see in nature. Because these animals, if you know it or not, are just being obedient to what God has set them up to do. And us, because of our fallen nature, don't walk in the ways that God wants us to walk as one, as a family. But oh, does the job get so much harder when we have people that sow division. And I'm going to say this loudly and proudly. A discord sore I hate, so it is written. Those are not my words, but those are the words of the Lord. We have to begin to call out the things that we don't want to call out. It is easy for me to get up here and talk about your nature and your sexual nature and the decision and the way you see yourself. Because I know the enemy his job is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to distort the way we see ourselves, our perception of who we are and who God has called us to be. But the people who sow discord, God will judge. So don't be a discord sower. Let's call out the sins that affect each and every one of us that God hates. And with that being said, I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And until next time, thank you for listening. God bless.